Andrew Ald is from Alexander Forbes. He's part of Alexander Forbes Financial Planning Consultants. He's a wealth manager. We're talking trusts this evening. Uh, and the big five, five reasons to set up a trust. But before we do that, uh, very the idiot's guide, if you would, Andrew, please. Uh, what is a trust? Uh, good evening, Bruce. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, a trust, in essence, is you give uh, someone that you trust something, usually money, for the benefit of someone called a beneficiary. And that ent- there's an entity that's created called a trust. It's got a separate persona, and it then owns the thing that you've given to these trustees to, uh, to look after it for the benefit of your beneficiaries. In that could be a house, Correct. several houses, a property portfolio, uh, a share portfolio could be housed within a trust. Why would somebody put stuff in a trust? There's a number of reasons. I mean, it could be that the beneficiaries aren't uh, able to look after it for themselves. It could be estate planning. Uh, in other words, when the, when the uh, founder or the establisher of the trust gets uh, um, old or passes away, that the next generation can take, uh, take over. I think traditionally what, we, uh, what we've seen is that folk have set up trusts because it, uh, it has great estate planning and estate duty tax saving uh, mechanisms. So there's income tax and estate duty savings historically. Okay, so that, that is why people go into trust. So that implies you've got to be rich to have a trust. Not necessarily. I think that there are two, there are two types of trust. So we've got to get technical and say there's an inter vivos trust, mm-hmm. which means during your lifetime. So if you set up a trust during your lifetime, it really, it, it, uh, unless it's got a special purpose, historically it's really been for the affluent, trying to uh, um, what they call freeze the estate and minimize the estate duty impact, and there's some income tax benefits as well. Um, and in that score, there's, uh, the cat's been put amongst the pigeons a little bit lately with SARS having um, really Im- enhanced the, the information gathering in the tax returns. So there's going to be – Because people a- have used trust to hide all kinds of nefarious activities and uh, give kids loans and all sorts of stuff and uh, do all sorts of tricky things within the trust structures. And SARS is saying, let's just penetrate these a little bit to see mm. that you're not actually going against the spirit of the law. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I'd like to think most folk who've got trusts aren't, aren't uh, uh, really trying to connive or, or put stuff out of, uh, out of uh, um, the, the, the letter of the law. But, but in essence, I think what's happened now is that historically it's been easier to, uh, to not uh, report an account accurately on these things, you know, loan accounts, interest-free loan accounts. So there's challenges facing folk who, who've had it easier in that type of structure. So you've got an intervivos trust, which is that one structure, and then the testamentary trust. This is where it's perhaps appropriate for a, a broader range of people to consider having a trust? Definitely. So an intervivos trust is set up during your lifetime. A yep. testamentary trust is a paragraph in your will, establishes a trust in the event of your death. So it only comes into being when you die, and it is then set up. Okay, and why would you do that? Basically, one of the key reasons we do that is because if, if you have minor children at the time of your death, um, any cash given to a minor child has to by law go into the guardian's fund, and it's not... And you don't want that to happen because it doesn't grow, and they hold on to it until you're 21 or something. Well, it mad. grows at about 7, 7 and a quarter, quarter percent, which isn't Is it that much, good? Well, right. it isn't much okay. above inflation. All right. So uh, it's, it's still not a great real return, but there's yeah. also, it's a cumbersome process to get access to the money. So it's not bespoke to the individual who's receiving it. It's not personalized. If you've got a trust and you've got trustees who you trust to do the job of growing the wealth of the, the, the assets of that business so that your kids aren't left poor by the time they reach the age of 21 or whatever it is that you, you decide they should access the funds at, 60 when they're responsible. Um, okay, now I get that. So mm. the, the reason you would have there is really to offer, I don't know, people but also create trusts because they don't want creditors to get hold of the assets. Correct. It's a way of hiding stuff, or is that too cynical? 
Yeah, I think it's not hiding. It's, it's just clever planning. So if you can have a, the separate entity that owns the value, and if you incur personal liability, then your personal creditors cannot, cannot attack the, the assets of the trust. But we've seen trusts penetrate. I mean, the people will then, uh, anybody who's suing you, for example, will say, well, what was the purpose of the trust? Why mm. was the trust set up? Mm. Um, and they would go, go to the purpose of the trust. If the trust was to avoid liability, well, then you've got a problem, haven't you? Mm. Look, I think not only creditors can try and pierce that, um, depending on the way that you manage that trust. But SARS is certainly piercing that, uh, uh, that, that veil as well. There's certain legal provisions that allow SARS to do that. But definitely, if you, don't, if you don't set it up for the right reasons and manage it appropriately, you're vulnerable to creditors being able to access it anyway. Mm. Um, but if you, if you are setting it up honorably in the interests of your heirs, um, then chances are it's a pretty solid trust. Correct. Okay. And still relevant. We still haven't answered the question as to how much money you need to set up a trust. Yeah, there isn't, there isn't a magic number, but, but it's interesting to know. At what point does know, it become worthwhile? Look, you, you probably, to set up a, a, an inter vivos trust, a trust during your lifetime, you're talking several million um, to make it viable from, a, from an establishment and a running cost point of view. If you've got a family home with five million rand, is that is worth creating a trust is that to have the primary asset of that trust for the beneficiaries? It is, it okay. is, but you, you would want to put additional cash in the trust. Mm. You'd want that the trust has got the ability to self-sustain itself maintain the property, etc., that you aren't sitting with grandchildren and great-grandchildren in a bun fight about who's going to pay, who's going to pay for, the, it gets, for the new roof. It gets messy two or three generations it down does. the line, doesn't Very. it? Because mm. all the good intentions 100 years ago, and suddenly they're, they're 20 or 30 uh, descendants. Exactly. And, yeah, that's when the family politics is fun. Um, estate savings, you touched on that. Income tax and capital gains tax. Now, yeah, this is an interesting one. This is why SARS is particularly keen mm. to stick its nose into trusts. Mm. Um, because it's where lots of money that they believe should be paid as tax is not being paid as tax. Correct, yeah. Exactly, and I think that this uh, this information gathering in the new IT12 uh, tax return for trust is going to um, open up a lot of that. So there's going to be a lot of people that are suddenly faced with the need to report better. Um, and I think there's probably a fair number of folk who, who set up trusts that aren't fully aware of, of all these implications because SARS hasn't necessarily implemented the, the Section 7 and the Paragraph 68 to 72 provisions that are there uh, for them. But that's definitely looking to change. Okay. So there, there are ways of doing it. Also, a lot of people who might consider setting up a trust look at the returns that you've got to file and look at the accountants you've got to hire and look at the documentation you've got to fill in and say, look, one, don't like the admin. Two, um, don't like the cost of the, the annual management of the trust and you've got to have the AGM and you've got to do all of these different mm. things. <laughs> Forget it. But does it save your heirs money in the longer term? Definitely. I still think it's worth doing. I think under the right circumstances, it's well worth it. Okay. What are those right circumstances? The right circumstances are, I think, if you, if you create a situation where inside the trust, the assets are growing in an environment where Section 7 and Paragraph 68, just to be technical, where those, par- where those yeah. particular uh, deeming provisions don't apply. So if you, if you, in consultation with your advisor, can be in a position where you're saying, look, to... I really want these assets to grow over time and I want to be in a situation where I'm, I'm planning for the next generation and possibly the generation thereafter. And I'd like these assets to be outside of my estate. I'd like to avoid death duties when I die. Um, there's definitely savings to be, to be had. And depending on the time frame, they can be substantial. There, there's also that, that whole concern and where lawyers will advise about ruling from the grave and dictating from the grave. Um, the idea is to have that continuity at death. So if there's a business or if there's a, a, a home, if there's an historical asset that the family has had for 10 or 20 or 100 years um, that has been passed down through generations and you want that to persist, 
at what point do you have the right to dictate what should happen once you're gone versus the right of the the beneficiaries to make their own decisions about well, it, in a changing world, for example? Yeah, in actual fact, it's the trustees that make the decisions, not the beneficiaries. Yeah, absolutely. And if, and if the establisher of it, if he has too much control, there's a provision in the Estate Duty Act that says it actually becomes his at his death anyway. So you've got to be careful about the control aspect, and that's something that's going to have to shift um, given, given the observation now and the, and the scrutiny of SARS. And then we've got the Davis Commission coming out with, with a report soon to talk about the relationship between capital gains tax and estate duty. And there could be implications for trust there. So there's, there's work to be the, done. This is massively technical. It really is. You've got to get proper advice. You don't just go and get a Walton's uh, piece of paper and, and sort of fill it in and say, I want to trust. Mm-hmm. And then go off and go and register your but I think But I think that you shouldn't steer away from it because you think it is too complicated. I think that, yes, we're in a watershed time where uh, the, the, imp- the, the, the practical execution of the laws are changing and with this Davis Commission there could be legal changes yeah. but it still shouldn't shy, you shouldn't shy away from looking at the potential savings but certainly from a testamentary trust point of view I think that there must be thousands of South Africans who should be having a clause in their, in their wills that definitely creates a trust for their minor children because you don't want your kids to be left at the mercy of the master of the court um, uh, uh, and and that is um, I've been through that process myself. It's difficult, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's cumbersome. And also, you just you don't get the growth that uh, that that an inheritance should have. And suddenly, you know, what is a decent pile of cash for your kids when they're ten years old? By the time they get to twenty-one, it's worth a fraction of what it should be because inflation has eaten away, has eroded that seven percent gain mm. That, mm. that that you might get. Uh, fascinating discussion, Andrew. All thank you so much for coming through. Alexander Forbes, financial planning consultants, wealth manager. He came all the way from Port Elizabeth to see his clients, but I think more especially uh, to share his views and his insights into the world of trusts with you.